Are you a busy Ruby developer who wants to take their freelance business to the next level? Interested in working smarter, not harder? Then check out the upcoming book, Next Level Freelancing, Developer Edition. Practical steps to work less, travel more, and make more money. It includes interviews and case studies with successful freelancers who have made a killing by expanding their consultancy, developed passive income through informational products, built successful SaaS products, and become rockstar consultants making a minimum of $200 an hour. There are all kinds of practical steps on getting started, and if you sign up now, you'll get 50% off when it's released. You can find it at nextlevelfreelancing.com. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of the Ruby Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hello. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Um, real quick, at the beginning of this, I'm just going to um, plug my own product. Um, I'm going to be teaching a Rails course, Ruby on Rails course, uh, starting in March. Um, it's an eight-week course. Get lots of access to me and lots of help while you're doing it. So if you want to go sign up, go sign up at railsrampup.com. All right. Well, Eric, this week we were talking before the show and we kind of decided to talk about planning for the next year since this episode will probably come out on like the third. I, I'm a little bit curious. Do you do much planning for the year or how far out in advance do you usually plan? Um, I used to plan out the entire year. I would actually do, you know, a kind of small business plan each year and look at the past year and, you know, plan out like, you know, like in this case, it'd be like 2013 and then maybe glance at 2014. But I've actually stopped doing that. I think either one year or two years ago, I just, I got tired of, you know, doing all, all this stuff on forecasting and then halfway through the year, stuff changes so much that the forecast doesn't really matter. So I do more, like I do a very lightweight planning. I might do like, what's my plan for the next quarter or kind of a, where do I want to take my business in this next year? Um, but those are like, you know, a sentence or two sentences. It's not like, you know, not a heavy, not a lot of heavy docs or actually like calculations or anything. Yeah. Um, for me, I never, I was never really much of a planner as far as planning ahead, but this year has really kind of begun to be that. I mean, I have a ton of stuff going on. I've got people asking me to be at a whole bunch of different places. So just for example, um, at least for the next three or four months, I have a pretty solid and direct plan of these are some of the things that I'm going to be doing. So, for example, I'm going to be speaking at um, the New Media Expo, which is for podcasting, blogging, all that stuff. I'm also going to be attending CES, which is the uh, Consumer Electronics Show. Both of them are in Vegas, and both of them are the same week. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working that out. And, and I'll be going as press, and I'll be covering a bunch of stuff that, you know, people could program toward if they wanted to, you know, things that offer APIs and stuff like that, because a lot of the a lot of the cars and stuff out there, you know, they they offer, like, Ford Sync. Um, I've seen the Chevys have their own little in-dash system, and so you can connect with that from different devices. You know, I'm also planning on attending Mountain West Ruby Conference, so I'm planning conferences, and then I have the Rails ramp-up that I'm going to be doing through March and April. And uh, I have some other uh, courses and ideas that I want to do, you know, toward the middle or end of the year that I haven't finalized on. But for the most part, you know, I have a general idea of these are the kinds of things that I want to be doing in the next year and then just figuring out how to get to them and kind of setting tentative plan to get those done. So it's not it's not like a solid on this date, I will have this done and on this date, I will have this done because that, that never really works for me. But just in general saying, well, you know, by the end of February, I really want to have this together or have this going. So 
Um, for example, I've thought about starting another podcast and I bought the domain. I'm starting to, you know, look for panelists for it. Um, cause it's the same format as this and my other shows. And so, um, in fact, I may as well just, just mention it on here. I, I've been playing around with iPhone, iOS and Cocoa development. And so I'm going to put together a podcast focused around that and bring in some experts that can talk to that. So I'm not completely sold on the name that I bought the domain name for, but I figured it was a $10 investment in something that I'm, uh, I'm interested in. So, um, anyway, so I'll probably be looking for panelists and trying to get something together by the end of January, you know, and, and so a lot of these products that are, they're going to be showing off at CES will have APIs that you can connect to from your smartphone. And so I think you could do some cool stuff with that if you were interested. But anyway, so that's kind of the idea. So I start picking conferences. I want to go to these ones. I want to try and speak at those ones. Um, I'm going to put a course together on Rails, and I've already got that planned. And then I'm going to put another course together on something else toward the end of the year is what I think I'm going to do. You know, and then start selling digital copies of the sessions and allowing people to sign up for, you know, courses related to those videos and things like that. And build some other digital products around those. And then, you know, the other plan is, is to beef up my podcasting network and podcasting efforts so that that can provide a significant amount of income to me so that I don't have to contract as much and I can focus more on the podcasting, which is something that I really, really enjoy doing. So, uh, that, that's kind of the idea. So, so I've got this, this general direction and I've got a list of things that I want to get done next year. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like mine. I mean, I have like, you know, these are the areas I want to improve and work in. And then the difference is you have more like events that you're going to where, you know, it's on the calendar, this time's blocked out where I don't have that. I might try to go to one conference next year, but I don't know which one or when it is. And that's kind of just a more of a, I have a desire to, I might not actually do it. Yeah. And that, and that makes sense too. I mean, you, you know, you, you definitely need to make it work. But as far as like, you know, which clients I'm going to be working for and what kind of work I'm going to be doing, I mean, there's not a great way of knowing that. Even if the client that I'm working for now renews the contract for six months or a year, you know, you just, you never know down the road if that's really what's going to happen. So you just kind of take your best guess and go for it. If you try and set solid plans, I found that in a lot of cases, you're just, you know, you're writing something that's likely going to change out from under you. Yeah. I mean, what I usually do each year is get a spreadsheet of like financials and it's broken down by month, like, you know, this much in revenue, these kind of expenses, and then just some guesstimates of what they would be based on last year. So like, you know, whatever, hundred dollars on software, maybe $30 on eBooks each month. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the year, I'll fill it in with the actual values, but that's something I do. And it's mostly good for me just to watch over time to kind of see if expenses are trending one way or the other. Like, Last year, I found that my software and my training uh, expenses shot up and couldn't really figure out why. And then I noticed I had a bunch of servers sitting around that were, weren't doing anything and I was still signed up for stuff I wasn't using. And so I ended up axing all that. But mm. that's some planning, I guess I do. But the numbers for it are basically just what what it is every month. It's a, you know, I figured out a long time ago, like, this is how much I should be spending on things. And I just keep carrying those over from year to year with very few changes. I, I think I need to do that. I mean, I've got my books back the last couple of years since I started freelancing, and I really like the idea of sitting down and saying, well, 
I should be spending about this much in my business and it should be going out in about these percentages to these things or these dollar amounts to these things. And yeah, you can kind of plan your financial approach out that way too and see where you're spending money where you shouldn't. I really, really like that and should probably go back through my books and just, you know, get an idea of where all the money went. Yeah. And I, I mentioned before, I do my books basically every week. And then part of that, I don't think I mentioned is every month I do a monthly review where I, it's typically a week after the month's done. So like, you know, the seventh to the 10th, um, just to give stuff enough time to clear. And basically what I do is close out my books, figure out exactly how much I made, how much I spent for that month, put into the spreadsheet that I have. And it basically will calculate, you know, has my income, my expenses. It calculates my gross profit. And then I take out my salary. And then it has a calculation that says, given my tax rate, I should put aside X amount of dollars for taxes from this month. Uh-huh. And so basically after I put all that num- those numbers in, it will tell me like, okay, I need to transfer say a thousand into the tax savings account. And then I check my checking account. And if there's extra money in there, I send that over to actual my emergency savings and basically kind of clean up from the month financially. And th- the intention is when I'm done with it, I have taxes put away. I have everything in savings that I can. Um, I know if I need to check some expenses if like they shot up in a month or two or they're trending up. And it also kind of gives me a way to look back over the year of, you know, this is how stuff's looking so far. Right. Um, I'm curious how you're like from month to month, how, how you expect that income to break down. I mean, do you usually expect most of it to come from consulting or do you expect a certain amount of it to come from um, products or, or eBooks? Cause I know you do that or, or, you know, how, how do you usually figure out what you're going to expect it to come from? Do you just look at past months? Um, some of it's kind of a gut feel. Uh, I've pretty much figured my three eBooks, I get, get between 500 and a thousand dollars a month. It depends on the month and some months it's higher, some months it's really low, but it seems to, it almost always averages out if you look over a couple months. So I have that. I don't really consider that as part of the revenue I plan for just because it fluctuates so much. Mm-hmm. I'll take like, I think I have 80 to 90 hours of availability each month for client work. And so I'll guesstimate like, you know, I'm going to book this many hours at my billable rate. That's going to make me this much revenue from consulting services. And that's basically how I forecast my income. Um, most of the time it's going to be higher or lower based on how, how booked I get. And also based on um, how accounts receivables happen. You know, if something's coming in at 30, it's, I might do the work, you know, in March, but I might not get paid till June if they took their time. But um, that's kind of how I forecast my income. The expenses, like I said, I basically have a rough idea and just guesstimate based on, I guess, the past six months is what I typically do. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, do you usually try and plan in for the year, for example, do you try and plan in vacations or uh, other events? I don't know how many conferences you go to, for example. Uh, I don't go to any conferences. I've gone to a few. Um, For the most part, like I said, I have a hammer the exact number. It's like 80 or 90 billable hours a month. Uh, In actuality, it's more than that. But, uh, you know, if you say like, you know, June, say I have actually 110 hours I bill, well, July, I might only bill 70 because I took a week of vacation or there's a conference I went to and lost a week there. And so I kind of have like, I just shoot for the average and I just know that some months are going to be higher, some months are going to be lower and it's going to balance out at the end. Mm, That makes sense. So you don't try and plan these things for specific times during the year. You just, you, you go where you need to be. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's it gives me more flexibility. Like if I say, oh, I really want to go to microconf or whatever this year, as long as I don't have any commitments, I can just go. Like I have, like it's going to be a good thing for my business. I'll go and just basically adjust around it. And then when I do my review of my finances, I'll just be like, oh, that's the month I was in microconf, which is why income's down, expenses are up, and I just have to kind of readjust it, you know, the next month. And the other side of it is I actually don't plan for um, like capital expenses. Like I'm actually getting a new laptop. And so I didn't plan for that capital expense. I It's kind of built into the budgets and just when I need stuff like that, it'll just come out. I found trying to figure out exactly when you're going to need to upgrade equipment or get stuff like that is the amount of time you put into that versus the amount of kind of information and help you get in your business. It's just not worth doing. It's easier just to kind of get a baseline and give yourself enough room so that if you do need something, it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you do you do any like quarterly planning or monthly planning or anything? Or do you kind of approach that the same way? Um, so financially, no, I do the I do the plan for the year and it's broken down into month and I just leave it like that. For actual like doing stuff, kind of like what you were talking about earlier, I'll, it's not an annual goal, but I'll set a goal of like, I need, I want to do X. And so in order to get to X, I might have to do a couple smaller things first. And depending on how that ends up, I might say, you know, in the next quarter or the next three months, I want to do this sub goal and then maybe break that down. So maybe this month I need to do the first part of it or, you know, basically break it up as I need it. I don't try to be too strict on myself because I found the more I'm a very heavy planner and I'll always try to plan something as much as I can. And so I purposely don't let myself overanalyze stuff and try to try to force myself to just have a very loose definition of things. And then that way my natural tendency kind of balances it out and I end up, you know, planning just enough and not wasting time. Yeah. You're, you're definitely the opposite of the way I approach things. Cause generally I just fly by the seat of my pants. I mean, I have to get my books done so I can give a report to my, <laughs> to my CPA so I can get my taxes done. And, uh, you know, in general, it seems like a lot of the stuff that I have, I have that I need to get done is stuff that, you know, I, I sort of put off until I have to do it. And then, and then I'll get around to it, you know, and every once in a while I'll have a, a period of productivity where it's, well, I don't necessarily have to get this done, but I'm going to do it anyway. And, and, you know, and so I get stuff done and I deliver in that way. But yeah, actually planning ahead is something that I'm usually not very good at. In fact, I'm speaking at, uh, at the new media expo and uh, that's in like two weeks, three weeks. And I still haven't got my talk written yet. So, um, you know, I just kind of tend to put these things off and I really need to sit down and do a little more preparation, a little more planning. Yeah. And I mean, that's just, I've found if someone wanted me to, or would let me plan everything, I would have everything planned out to the penny for the next year. And I, I mean, before when I was in college, I had like a five and 10 year plan. And I've realized over the years that stuff changes too fast. And it's great to go through the effort of planning, but your plan really, it's not really that valuable as a final document. Yeah. You need more flexibility than like a business plan can give you. And so I have my stuff set up so that I build in that flexibility and know that, you know, like I said, my personality will kind of help fill in the details and, kind of put a little bit of a push on me to get stuff you know, done before there's like a two-week deadline or something. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you have any recommendations for somebody like me where I, I tend not to plan ahead as far as managing that stuff? I mean, 
I, I kind of done GTD off and on, but you know, I don't really have a solid system that's kind of an ingrained habit for planning this stuff out. Um, it's hard because that's not who I am. So it's, you know, I might have read books that would be helpful, but I don't, I don't remember any of that data or any of the information. Um, one thing I would say, and it's probably good for everyone, is to try to do a heavy plan, like plan out the entire year, then plan out, you know, what you're going to do each month and then what you're going to do each week of the year and, you know, have it so like you can see every step of the way to get to a goal. Try that and maybe start with like a six month plan. Try that and see how how that works for you. It's a very intense plan, but sometimes people need that kind of like checking stuff off and that could actually help you get out of how you're more laissez-faire about stuff. Yeah, I, I like that. So this has kind of gone into planning a little bit. Are, are there any other tips that you have for long-term planning, like a year, five years, 10 years? Because I know some people are way into the, the long-term, where am I going to be? I mean, I have some, so kind of it's in my to-do list. I have a list of things like that I want to do in my lifetime, like kind of like overarching goals of who I want to be, what I want to do. That's kind of like the 40-year type plan, um, but some of the stuff I'm actually doing now. So it's kind of like a, how do I want my life to be? And then I also have a list of things in there that are, I think I call them dreams or whatever, but those are kind of like specific things that I want to do. Like one is run a 30-minute 5K. Another is like visit Egypt and see the pyramids and kind of more event type stuff. And so it, basically every time I do my monthly review, I kind of review all of those and see if there's anything I can like actively do, like uh, say for, for the Egypt one, if there's like a Ruby conf in Egypt, I would be like, Hmm, maybe I should go and try to go to this conference and actually visit Egypt. So I actually can knock that thing off my list. Um, but I don't really, I, I haven't found the value of planning too far out just because like I said, things change. I mean, my life two years ago or five years ago is drastically different than how it is now. And so you really can't predict where you're going to be and, without being able to predict, for me at least, it's really hard for me to sit down and plan stuff. Yeah, one thing I want to add to that is just, uh, for me, things are really, really complicated a lot of times. So, for example, um, one of the things that I want to do is I want to eventually take my wife back to Italy. That's where I served um, my my mission. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Mormon, and, and so when we're young men, if we're in good standing in the church, you know, it's kind of expected that we go and, and be missionaries. And so my wife has always wanted me to take her back, you know, because I speak the language and I, I generally, you know, know how to get around and know some of the cool things to go see and things like that. And uh, it's it's more complicated for me than just, um, you know, maybe finding an ex another excuse to be out there. You know, I mean, I need to be able to afford it. I need to be able to um, take the time off. I need to be able to do all these things because if we're going to go to Italy, we're going to spend like two weeks and we're going to go see all of the stuff. And, you know, or all of the stuff that you can see in two weeks. That means that I have to, you know, get my financial life more in order and I have to get some other things more in line. And and so some of the things that we're doing now that kind of inform that are things like I just bought, I bought us the Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University home study kit because we could never find the time to say, okay, we're committing for nine weeks to be at, at a place every Wednesday night or whatever just because we have so many other things going on. So, you know, setting goals like that where it's, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to do the Dave Ramsey plan and get out of debt. And we're going to, we're going to sit down and we're going to, um, you know, 
figure out a, a budget every month and, and do all those kinds of things, you know, and those get us to those longer term things that we want to do. But it's kind of a short term, easy to easier to focus on thing that, that gets us to a place where we can do that kind of stuff. And so I, I think the longer term things are definitely things you want to consider. But I, I definitely agree with you not to spend a ton of time figuring out how you're going to get there because inevitably some things are going to change and that whole plan may just go out the window. You may still be, still be able to get there, but it'll be other things that get you there. Yeah. And that's why I look at it every month. I mean, most of them I'm not going to do. I mean, one of them I think is like travel to space. And so, yes, that's actually coming up and civilians can probably get up there, you know, in the next few decades, but I'm not going to be able to do that this weekend. But by reviewing it, I know, okay, it's in there. And, you know, maybe in three or four months, I'll look at it and be like, you know, let me, let me see what's changing and check out the news. And, you know, maybe I can see that you can actually get a ticket for whatever, a quarter million dollars or whatever. And now I have something that I can attach to that goal mm-hmm. in my to-do list and say, okay, in order for this to happen, I need to get a quarter million dollars in cash. And so just the fact of reviewing it, it kind of refreshes of like, you know, what I want to do with my life, why I'm here. And it kind of in the background, like in the subconscious, it's kind of processing and I can kind of notice things more and more. And so it's, it's nice to do, but I don't try to sit down and plan it. Like you said, I mean, you know, do baby steps. And if there's something that's going to improve my life now or in the near future, I might do that more with the intention of improving stuff now than actually improving it for the goal. Yeah. One other thing that that kind of comes into this is a little bit shorter term goal for me, you know, something that I think I can probably get done within the next year, year and a half, maybe two years, is that I really want to build up this uh, podcasting network to, you know, kind of go beyond my own handful of shows and, you know, bring in maybe a few other folks who have successful shows and, you know, help them succeed and things like that. And, uh, you know, just, you know, I it's both to generate income and to be involved in something that I enjoy doing. And so, you know, I can sit down and I can start figuring out now, okay, well, you know, why would they want to join my network? What can I offer them? And, you know, at the same time, what am I going to get out of it that I want? And it's it's a longer term thing. But at the same time, by answering those questions, I can really start to answer what's the next step by, uh, you know, understanding where I want to be in, in that shorter term of a year or two. And and I really like the idea of of what you brought up, and that is reviewing those goals every month and making sure that they're, A, relevant, and B, you know, what the next step is and have things changed enough to where I need to really rethink my plan for this. Yeah, and I mean, for example, this year, um, I've had the goal to run a 30-minute 5K for, I guess, two or three years now. And this year, I was like, you know, I'm kind of in my prime, and realistically, you can kind of get you know, trained and do that in less than a year. So I actually made that kind of like, I'm going to focus on this goal. And so I ended up running every day and it problem was I actually got injured and knocked me out for two, three months at the very end of the season. But still being injured, I almost hit that goal. I think I was like 20 or 30 seconds off from hitting that goal. And so now, even though I didn't finish it, I know like, yeah, I can, I can come back, you know, 2013 and probably knock it out and work on a different goal. Like I, since then I've added, like, I want to run a marathon. So, you know, being able to review that, like if I didn't review it, I wouldn't have seen that and probably wouldn't have started running this past year and realized that I can actually get pretty close to that goal. Yeah, that that's actually pretty amazing. I would love to be able to go that fast myself. I, I kind of want to get into this. What what makes a good goal? I mean, you keep hearing like SMART and I don't even remember what all of them stand for. But, uh, you know, there are different things that make a goal a good goal or not a good goal. 
Yeah, and it depends on your definition of goal. Like one of, like I said earlier, it's, I call them my life goals. One of those is actually right. Like that's all it is. It's right. Another one is teach computers, you know, and that's either about computers or about programming or something. And these are very vague and they're meant more as like a guiding principle than an actual goal to work towards. But the kind of the more, I guess, like shorter term goals that I have is like I said, run a 5k in 30 minutes. Well, I have basically a condition in it that says, did I meet the goal or not? Which is Mm -hmm. the time I have what it is, which is run a 5k and you know, there's a few other things that might be missing. I, I can't remember the whole SMART acronym, but, you know, that's kind of a good enough thing that I can put on a wall and actually like, okay, this is what I'm going for. This is where I'm at now, and I can measure my way towards it. Um, and some of them, like I said, like, you know, uh, visit Egypt or another one, I guess, is visit Japan. Like, those are, you know, it's very, it's two words. It's not very detailed, but it, when you travel, like fly into Japan, you technically visited it. So that's all you need. And so you kind of, you can be kind of flexible about how, how detailed you want to be with a goal. Um, I have some that it's like a couple sentences because they're, they're harder to describe and more vague. And I wanted to kind of pin down exactly what I was working towards. Right. So it has to have a good completion criteria is what you've kind of gone after. Yeah. And it has to be good enough for you. I mean, it doesn't have to, you know, meet anyone else's standards, but as long as you can understand what it is and at least recall what you want, you know, like that you can look at in six months time and decide like, oh yeah, I know exactly what that is. That's pretty much all you're going to need. Yeah. I I pulled up the SMART acronym thing and it says specific. Um, And then um, one of the questions it has is, can your goal be broken down into smaller steps? But ultimately, you know, specific is what you're talking about. So if flying into the airport in Tokyo is good enough, even if you're there for a layover, then fine. But if you're, uh, you know, if your goal is, well, I want to go and actually see Japan and I want to go see, you know, maybe specific, you know, things to see in Japan or just, just be there and kind of take in the culture, you know, what, yeah, whatever your, whatever your criteria is so that you're satisfied with the outcome, then I think that's specific. The next one is motivational. And I think, when when we're talking about the beginning of the year, you know, people make New Year's resolutions. And I think this is the one that people really screw up because, you know, it says, is it emotionally charged? Do you have the energy to carry out the goal? And for me, that's really it is, is it something that you really care about? Because people, you know, they said it, you know, lose weight, which isn't specific, you know, but at the same time, you know. Well, even if you get specific and say like, I want to lose 20 pounds. Right. And a lot of times, you know, specific as far as time as well. So I want to lose 20 pounds in three months, you know, or what, you know, a reasonable amount of time. That sounds reasonable to me. Three months, 20 pounds. Anyway, um, you know, but if you don't have the drive to do it, then, you know, after a month of going to the gym, you're just going to give up. And so it's got to be something that you really want, something that you're really willing to work for. Yeah. And the other side of it is some, like a lot of the kind of, goals that I have are more event-based, like visiting Japan, like that's, you do it, it's done. That's an event, it happened. Whereas like losing weight, you might have hit it, but with weight, you can always go back. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the whole fluctuating diet stuff that happens. And so that's the other thing to think about. I'm trying to look for mine. I mean, one of mine is kind of health, health related. And it's basically like, oh yeah, so it's live with good health and a fit body. It's very vague, but I have my own definition of that. And that definition is flexible to change over time. And so, you know, if I lost 20 pounds and then gained it back, well, that's actually not a fit body. That's me fluctuating on a fad diet. And so I actually wouldn't consider that goal complete. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, depending on what your your health issues are, or if you don't have any, or you know, whatever, you know, yeah, you can take that however you want. That was one thing that um, I did a weight loss contest, and it was one thing that really kind of um, made it hard for me was that um, I did the weight loss contest. I think over the course of six months, I lost like twelve pounds. Was all I lost. But at the same time, my diabetes numbers came way under control, like to the point where they were looking at me and saying, yeah, your numbers are what we expect for a person without diabetes, you know, even though I was still 60 pounds overweight. But the weight loss contest was all about the weight and the, you know, the the fat percentage measurements and stuff like that. And I didn't do great on those. And so, you know, I, I, I had the goal to lose the weight. And even though I was better off, I wasn't completely satisfied with it because it wasn't what I wanted. And so sometimes you're, you know, you have to figure out what it is that you really want because what I really wanted was to be healthy and what I really got was to be much healthier. But it turns out that, you know, I became so focused on the wrong thing that I I didn't I didn't get the victory that I wanted out of it. Yeah, and I mean to take it back to business, that's something to be careful of is, you know, if your goal is to make, you know, six figures this year or whatever, you can do that in like a sustainable way where you have higher rates or you work for higher end clients, or you can do it like an unsustainable way by doing 80 hours of billable work a week and basically destroying everything else in your life, you know, your health, your family, any kind of, you know, sleep pattern. And you, you know, you can get to that goal, but was your intention, intention of the goal just to get the money or was it actually to be at like a level of success or some other thing? And so you kind of have to take a look at that and figure out like, Okay, the, what, here's the goal and here's the metric I'm going to need to track it, but this metric is just an indicator of the actual thing that I want. Yep. So the next one is accountable, and I guess that's what we were kind of putting into specific as well, is can your goal be tracked or accounted for? So in other words, can you measure it? Yeah, and I, th- I think that's also used a lot where if I have a goal, I might you know tell you about it and then you kind of help hold me accountable and, um, you know, that could be the kind of thing where there's like a weekly meeting where I tell you how much revenue I made this week or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you could say, well, at that rate, Eric, you're not going to hit your goal. You need to kick it up a notch. Um, I see that used by a lot of people. And for the most part, it works. There's a lot of psychology behind it. Yeah. And I've, I've heard I've heard things about mastermind groups that kind of do that, where they sit you down and then they help you. In fact, the mastermind group that I'm a part of, it's like, hey, you know, what's your you know, what's your goal for the next month? And and we actually do say something and explain how we're going to get it done over the month. And then the next month we come and report and everybody's really hoping that you're coming back and saying, yeah, I had a victory. You know, I, I, I won, I did this and it, it worked out or I did this and I learned this lesson or whatever. But, you know, everybody wants to see you complete that and, you know, have that, that kind of, I keep saying victory, but it's that it's that feeling of having accomplished whatever it was that you set out to do. And, and it's easy. It's nice if you, if you have that. In fact, that ties into the next one, which is responsible. With, well, kind of. It says respect from family, things like that. Um, well, it costs you friends, respect your family, your integrity, easy to respond to if respond to changes if required. But, you know, you also have that responsibility to the people that you tell about the goal to push, to, you know, to push to get it done so you can tell them that you completed what you committed to. Yeah, and the, that the responsibility is kind of like what I was talking about, where you know if you basically kill your personal life and are sleeping two hours a night to hit your you know six figure a year goal, 
Oh, it's not really doing. You're not doing it the right way. You're not. Your goal is pushing too hard, and you should readjust something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, if you if you win at your goals and lose at life, then it's a net loss. So definitely not worth it. The last one is touchable. It says, "What will you have to hold as a completed result?" And uh, I I'm trying to decide if this is like, for example, if you lose weight, you don't really have something you can hold. I mean, you have a healthier life, you feel better, that kind of stuff. But I don't know, do you do you ever build in like a reward system for this or do you just is is finishing and finishing it enough or what? Um I used to do rewards. The problem I had with goals is I would say whatever my goal is to get say you know, x amount of money in revenue this month. And the problem is I'd spend half the time thinking trying to figure out a good reward that is good enough to motivate me, but not going to demotivate me, not going to cost a lot, but it's going to be enough that it's like, you know, it's not like, you know, a, a coffee or whatever, which were pretty insignificant. And so I ended up realizing that for myself, rewards just don't work. You know, and it, that's myself. That's my personality. For some people, they do. It maybe what I do is actually maybe my goals have kind of the intrinsic reward where, you know, by hitting a certain revenue goal, I'm going to have extra cash to do things that I want to do with my business that I wouldn't be able to otherwise. And so the goal is kind of the reward in itself. Yeah. Yeah. For me, my problem is, is if I try and set up a reward, you know, if I complete this goal, I'm going to have a reward. Well, what usually winds up happening is um, if I don't complete the goal, I usually have the money to give myself the reward anyway. And so then I have this, this battle with myself over whether or not I actually get it. Because sometimes it's something that I could really actually use that would save me time, money, or effort in another way. And so, you know, I wind up I wind up playing this mental game with myself over it. So most of the time, um, I just have to pick a goal where the outcome is something that is a big payoff for me. Exactly. And then the, you, get, you ran into the problem of like, you know, say your goal is to get $10,000. Well, if your reward is to spend 5000 of that... It, kind of defeats the purpose too. So it's, that's why I just gave up on it. I was like, you know, I'm not going to put any rewards. And like I said, my personality, I have enough internal motivation to do things that I can kind of get stuff done if I need to. Yeah, I usually do as well. It just depends on the how tired I am for one. And then also just how bad I want it. And so I have to pick things where, you know, I see the outcome and I get excited. Yeah. And I mean, personally, I don't like the smart way of planning goals. I think if you are really new to it, it might be a good way to guide. But like, like basically, like I point out, each of these kind of acronyms, there's a problem or something you need to think about that the, the smart way doesn't actually handle or you have to kind of go outside of the boundaries. So I would, if someone wants to set goals that you can try using the smart stuff to kind of get an idea, but feel free to break those rules if you need to and like experiment because everyone's different. Yeah, absolutely. And especially I think I think a lot of the stuff in Smart applies well to shorter term things that you can really get your hands around and and really specify what it is that you're trying to get out of it and and what it's about with the longer term things like visit Japan or you know even, you know, just get into certain level of physical shape where it's hard to specify what that is. It's still a meaningful goal, you know, but you know, at the same time it doesn't fit the SMART criteria. Now, you can set a next step that might, but at the same time, you know, it, it doesn't always work in every situation. And, you know, I definitely agree that if there's something important to you that you can't specify under SMART, then just 
set a goal to do it anyway. Yeah. And I mean, because the whole point of goals is to change kind of the environment, like change either who you are, what you're doing, or what's happening outside you. And for the most part, it's, you know, you had this idea in your head that this is how the ideal environment would be. This is how the environment is now. So the goal is to kind of shift the, what it is now more towards the ideal. And most goals, you're going to basically know when you've done enough of that. And so you can kind of, you can kind of fudge on some things. And you don't have to specify it too detailed. And for the most part, I mean, you know, if you say, I want to get two steps closer, if you got three steps closer or one step closer, those are still closer. It might not be, you know, the exact criteria of the goal, but it's going to be better than it was. And you can just kind of incrementally work on it. Or like I said, in my case, a lot of stuff I, that happens is stuff changes so that like this ideal environment that I had actually wasn't the ideal environment. The ideal environment's this other thing way over here. And so I kind of have to pivot and change my direction. Yep. All right. Well, are there any other aspects to setting goals or planning out the year that you want to go into that I may not have thought of? Um, one thing I found is when you're planning, it's almost always better to set aside like a day or a week, like a chunk of time than to try to do like an hour here, an hour there. Uh, just, it seems like it takes a little bit to kind of get out of the day to day stuff that bangs around in your brain before you can start thinking a little bit longer term. And so that's why every weekend I do, you know, kind of like a weekly plan. And then every month, typically like I have to take a whole day on a weekend and I do like kind of the monthly planning and for the past couple of years, I've like not the not the last year, but the year before when I did kind of the more, what am I doing this year stuff? I actually would take like the last week of December to do all my planning, and you know basically tell clients I'm not going to work with you. I'm you know I have to focus on some business planning, do all the accounting stuff and all that at that time. Yeah, I, I like that. I I definitely like that approach, and and I tend to do better if I can dedicate whole chunks of time to anything as opposed to just doing it a little here and a little there. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap up the show and get into the picks. Uh, do you have any picks this week? Yeah, so I have two uh, blog posts that I found. There's probably more. It's um, it's by IttyBiz. Uh, she's written quite a bit recently, the past couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm going to post two of them, but there's probably about four or five if you just kind of go through the archives. And some of them are actually linked internally, so you can find them that way. The first one is called How to Double Your, Double Your Revenue and Profit Really. Uh, basically, she outlines five different things that you might be doing that's screwing up your revenue. And this isn't kind of like any scammy stuff or the stereotypical raise your rates. It's like, are you actually trying to work as hard as you think you are? Um, are you losing money? Like, say, your website's not converting or you're leaving money on the table in negotiations, you know, very, very psychologically, very, or very psychological stuff. Um, I thought that was interesting. And then another one she talked about is called how to take the ick out of selling, which especially for developers, I think this is a great read, basically talks about, you know, how business is and how commerce is and how you really shouldn't feel bad or feel scammy or anything like that if you're trying to sell something. You know, it's she. It's interesting because I've I've known this and I felt this way like before, but she kind of reverses it and you know makes you think about as a buyer, you really don't feel icky buying things, and you're probably buying dozens or sometimes even hundreds of things each week. So, you know, the fact that each time you're buying, someone else is selling. So you you as a business shouldn't feel icky about selling to people who need what you have. Mm -hmm. So it's two blog posts. There's. Like I said, there's probably three or four other ones kind of around this too that are linked that 
a really interesting. It's kind of, it looks like a little series she's starting. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to get two picks. Um, the first one is something that I'm sitting on right now. I don't know if your you... butt. <laughs> no, I'm not going to pick my butt. But um, but um, I had this office chair that my wife bought me for Christmas last year. It was a Black Friday sale deal, and uh, what happened was I'd been sitting in this chair for about a year, and uh, a couple weeks ago I was sitting back in it. And uh, it broke and dropped me on the floor. <laughs> I was laying on my back on the back of the chair, and the seat of the chair was still up where it was. And uh, the way that it was put together was it had these plastic arms that bolted into the back of the chair and bolted into the seat of the chair, and that's how it stayed connected. And uh, me leaning back on it, it basically snapped that plastic. And I've had a few people online that, that also got on and said, yeah, I had that same chair and it had did the same thing to me. So I know it's not just because I'm fat. But anyway, so I wound up getting a new chair and I just looked at my wife and I said, you know what, the last two or three office chairs I've had in there just didn't work for various reasons. I want to get a nice chair that I can sit in, you know, for hours on end that's going to last me for more than a year that I don't have to worry about it breaking or squeaking or whatever. And... um I talked her into letting me get a Herman Miller Aeron chair. I am super happy with this thing. I've been sitting in it for the last day or so, and um, it's really comfortable. I got a headrest for it, so I can just put my head back on it, and I don't have to, you know, hunch my neck over, which I do all the time. And uh, it it's way nice. The other thing is, is it has a 12-year warranty on it. So if something breaks on it, all I have to do is call them up or whatever, and then they just send a technician out to come and fix my chair. So I'm super happy with that. The other thing that I'm going to pick, it's slightly got a political charge to it, but really the reason I like it is because it's people doing something about a problem. And that is, is that here in Utah, um, one of the gun advocacy groups basically offered uh, a concealed carry or concealed weapons permit class to over 200 teachers here in Utah. And uh, the federal uh, no-gun law for schools has a provision in it that the states can override it. And so Utah law has overridden that, and it allows concealed weapons in, on school campuses. And it also, um, that way the teachers can carry a gun if they so choose. In fact, anyone walking onto the school campus can carry a concealed weapon if they so choose. I'm not saying that this is the or the only solution to some of the things that happened this month. But it is heartening to see that people are doing something about it. Um, one of the things that made me crazy was 